Theology of the Body Institute. This is the Ask Christopher West podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Ask Christopher West podcast. Hosted it's great to be here with you. By my dear wife, mm-hmm. Wendy is in the house. By now, if you've been listening to our episodes, you you kind of got our pattern that we kind of start with some stories or banter of one kind or another. Usually, Wendy's asking me stories that bring out strange or interesting details of my life, but today, <laughs> we're reversing this, and I want you, Wendy, to tell our listeners, this is probably my favorite story, certainly in the top three oh, favorite Wendy stories. Of uh, the humorous <laughs> variety. Of the humorous variety. <laughs> That happened to you. Were you a sophomore in college? It was college? my sophomore year of your college. Your sophomore yep. year of college. It's the year's just starting out. You're coming into the cafeteria, yeah. and things are a little different. Yes. Unfold what happens. Okay, yes. So it was first first breakfast. I went with a few friends, and thankfully the cafeteria was not that crowded. But they had rearranged some things, and they had these new cereal dispensers that were kind of up on a ledge above the counter. And as I went to get myself a bowl of granola, I saw that things said, pull. It was a handle that you were supposed to pull. And I now know that the meaning of this was to pull directly towards oneself, sort of a horizontal (laughs) pull. However, encountering it for the first time, pull and an arrow, I thought I was to pull down on this little handle. So here I am with with my bowl under the spout and I give a a pull. Well, the whole entire cereal bin, you can picture like a big plastic bin, just came forward and it was just on this ledge and it it just, I kid you not, as it tipped, the lid flew off the top of this (laughs) and it landed on my head. On her head. So I had this whole entire full canister of granola above my head raining granola (laughs) Gently down around my ears, and I don't know if I let out a yell, but my friends all saw this happen, and they were so doubled over in laughter with me standing there with this headload of granola that was (laughs) raining, and thankfully, I was laughing, too. It was just so shocking and hilarious. Eventually, one of the friends did come over and lift this off my head, at which point it was a, just a deluge then of granola <laughs> that completely emptied the whole container all over the floor. So the, the end note of the story is that the next day, the uh, cereal con- dispensers had been moved down from the ledge and were on counter level. Wise I, move. I never misunderstood the instruction as to how to operate that thing again. So that was a, a learning learning experience with the granola there. <laughs> if on the other side in heaven yes. we get to ask the Lord for instant replays uh-huh. of certain scenes yeah. in history, right. like in all of history. Right. Yeah, I'll, I want to see some scenes from the life of Jesus, and I want to see maybe, you know, what the property that we own now looked like 300 years ago, and that kind of stuff. But right up there at the top of the list, I will want to see the scene of my... <laughs> Wife. With the granola head. With the granola head. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I feel the love. Thank yeah, you. you. Everybody, know you know, we all have these experiences. <laughs> Thanks for loving me. 
So I have a question from someone who calls himself Lover Boy. Lover Speaking Boy? Of love, yes, As in calls, the 80s band? I don't know. He just Everybody's said, working for the weekend, baby. He says he's Lover Boy. So Lover right, Boy Lover has Boy. this question. He says, how can you be sure that the girl you're dating is, quote, the one, unquote? And what is the perfect time to make a proposal? Is there a proper way to make the proposal? So Lover Boy has some thoughts questions for you. Lover boy. Yes. Lover, God bless you, lover boy. Yes. You are a lover boy. Sounds like you're in love. How can you know? Well, this question about the one, how can you know if this is the one? It presupposes this idea that there is just one. And I tend to believe, and you know, you and I, Wendy, we look back at our lives and there mm -hmm. does seem to be so many things that point to the idea that you and I were, were meant for one another, like our whole lives were prepared for one another. There's certainly that mm -hmm. sense. So I don't want to discount that idea at all, that there's someone you're meant to marry. I really believe you and I were meant to be mm -hmm. husband and wife. Remember at the end of Forrest Gump when, you know, the, all along he's been wondering, is, is life a box of chocolates? Uh, and you don't know what you're going to get. Are you just floating around uh, like a feather in the wind? Or or is there a destiny like Lieutenant Dan thought? And Forrest Gump, after this grand adventure, concludes, I think maybe it's both, both mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. I, th I think there's some wisdom there. So I, I, I say that to, to say to Loverboy, don't get too caught up on the question of the one, because if you really believe this is the one and then maybe something happens, goes wrong, or she doesn't say yes to your proposal, or God forbid she dies in a tragic accident, then you, you might think there's nobody else. Or, you know, we don't want to go to an extreme with the one, mm -hmm. but with, with reverence for really believing there can be someone you're, you're called to marry. I certainly believe, as I've been saying, I've been called to marry Wendy. How did I know? that you were the one. That's mysterious. It's hard to put it into words, but I do recall certain things in our, our time of dating mm -hmm. where very prayerfully we were exposing our hearts to one another, our mm -hmm. dreams, our hopes for life, and they were lining up. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I thought, hmm, about this young woman, Wendy Weidman. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, how many of the listeners out there know this, but my wife was the first person ever to invite me to give a talk on the theology of the body. It was 1994, and I had just discovered this teaching like six months earlier, mm -hmm. and uh, Wendy heard me talking about it with some friends, and she said, she said, hey, could you, could you come to my campus and, and mm -hmm. you know, give a talk on this? And I said, sure. And so I did. I gave my first official Theology of the Body talk at Catholic University in April. Was it April? It was April 1994. April yeah. 1994, uh, 20, 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. 25 years ago. And at the end of the night, you were asking very intelligent questions. Like I could tell you really paid attention. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I went, hmm, this girl gets it. Maybe there's maybe there could be a little future there. So my, my point here, lover boy, <laughs> is that there are little signs along the way that make you go, hmm. 
and you follow those signs. And if you keep following those signs, and every time you follow the sign, you're like, hmm, 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 well, it's going to lead somewhere. And I, I'll never forget when, when we decided, yeah, we're getting married. Mm-hmm. Uh, we asked for a confirmation. And I always used to say, you know, Lord, if it's you, you got to hit me with a ton of bricks. And then when I stand up from the first ton of bricks, you got to hit me with another ton of bricks. So I know it's you. And maybe we can address this in a future podcast, what those tons of bricks were. But we got hit with two heavy tons of bricks, mm-hmm. right? Two in a row. And it just, it, the evidence was so clear that it, it, it would have been foolish for us not to say God's doing something here and we need to respond. And just to say, some of that came from other people's reflection on what they saw of our relationship. Yes. And some of those were people very close to us, family members, mm-hmm. and some of them were less close to us. But that was a help to us in our discernment, yes. you know, is how how are other people perceiving our relationship. Yeah, what are the people you know and trust? Mm-hmm. What do they think of your relationship? Right. That's a very important very important point. Well, my mm-hmm. mom, this is I'll tell this part of the story. My mom ever since I was a, ever since I was a little boy, she would tuck me in bed and say prayers with me and pray for my future wife wherever she was. And uh when my mom met Wendy, she had maybe 10 minutes of conversation with her. She pulled me in the other room and she said, what are you waiting for? This is the one. This is the one we've been praying for all these years. And I said, yeah, I know, Mom. I know you're right. And then when I asked uh, Wendy's mom, uh, Wendy's dad died when she was a girl, so I went to talk to her mom saying what my intentions were. And your mom grilled me with about three hours of questions. Mm -hmm. And then at the end she said, she said, you know, ever since Wendy was a little girl, I've been praying for her future husband, and now I know all these years I've been praying for you. Mm-hmm. Those were profound confirmations that we weren't crazy mm-hmm. in believing we were we were called to, that you were the one, that, right. that we were the ones for one another. Mm-hmm. So what are the signs, lover boy? God speaks to us in sign language. I would, I would look for those signs and pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add, Wendy? Only he asks about the proposal. And, oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that You part. know, the way to propose. And Sorry, lover boy. <laughs> yeah, what, what are your thoughts, Wendy? Yeah, I, I think that it's certainly a special opportunity on the, on the man's part to express creatively his uh, love for this woman. And I guess I would just say feel free to be really sensitive to her as you know her. And to um, not to propose in a way that would serve somebody else other than the one you're, to whom you're proposing. And I think that you're, that's coming from a place in you where where we've watched certain you know videos online of proposals where there are these grand affairs and and sometimes there's a question in both of our hearts like was that what was best was that and maybe it was for right. the, for their personality right, but I guess to- maybe part of us is saying I can't imagine. We had such an intimate exchange when I proposed. It was right. just the two of us, and my proposal went on for like a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an exaggeration. But he, you notice that Christopher likes to talk. I know you know that. So he had a lot to say when he asked me to marry him. It wasn't just, just a short question. And then your yes was not just one yes. It was a yes to everything I had. I had to had. say yes a lot of times because yeah, he asked I, a lot of questions. I asked a lot of questions. 
<laughs> so yeah, I think Wendy's advice here, lover boy, is spot on. What would bliss your fiance's heart or your soon-to-be fiance, we hope and pray, if she's the one? That just put a nice bow on everything, didn't it? Yes. Okay, it did. Came back to the yeah. one. Very nice. Okay, shall I go on? Yeah, let's go on. Okay. So I have a question here from, um, oh, it's an anonymous question, sorry. She says, how can I live TOB if my husband doesn't know the church teaching on marriage, doesn't care to learn, and holds many prejudices against the church? And she goes on to say that she shared those approaches when they got married so that they were alike in that. And she's gone through some changes and Mm. awakening of faith. And so she's facing that her husband is still living as they both were when they started marriage. And she's now desiring uh, something very different than he does. Bless you. Bless you, dear anonymous wife. And for those who may not no, our little in-speak acronym, T-O-B, is Theology of the Body, mm-hmm. which is the great extensive teaching of St. John Paul II on what it means that God made us male and female. Uh, gosh, if, you, if you're not familiar with it, if you're stumbling upon this podcast, just go to theologythebody.com and start exploring. There's so much to learn. But anyway, uh, back to the question. I might suggest... This is what's coming to my mind as I'm thinking of your question, dear anonymous wife out there. How did the Lord woo you? Clearly, you have been wooed from a place that's very similar to where your husband is, maybe misgivings about the church, prejudice towards the church. And you know, there's a lot of valid, justified reasons that people have prejudice towards the church or rejection of the church. The church is going through a profound crisis right now, and people have all kinds of varied experiences of the church. So what are those for your husband? You know your husband very well. I imagine you know the roots of some of these prejudices in his life. I think the number one thing you can do, dear anonymous wife, is love your husband. Let your faith set your heart on fire with an unconditional, sacrificial love for your husband that is willing to stand by his side, walk with him through whatever he faces, and honor him right where he is. And again, maybe learning from how the Lord wooed you, be a source, a channel, if you will, an instrument through which the Lord can woo your husband based on what you know about him. And never, never underestimate the real power of intercessory prayer. As husband and wife, we've come to learn this really intimately in our lives, and we receive it as a great gift, a great joy, and a challenge. But we are each other's number one intercessor Mm -hmm. as husband and wife. And that has real power. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything you want to add there, Wendy? Yeah, I think you're, you're saying a very powerful thing. You know, sometimes you can get, we can get impatient or anxious trying to imagine how is this all going to work out. And there's a lot of need to surrender the unknown, the future to the Lord and, and accept that we don't know all these answers and probably no one else does either. The call of this day, of this present moment to 
truly love your husband, to be a true intercessor is a powerful calling. It's a meaningful calling. It's one that the graces of your sacrament could be just being unleashed in your heart as you're having this um, conversion. You know, that the grace to desire all that is good and wonderful for your marriage. At this moment, when you, your husband is not receptive, it's a call to a real beautiful time of prayer and intercession for him that it may or may not be helpful for him to know that you have this call and you'll you'll have to judge that based on trial and error. But I know for myself, when I'm really receptive to that role of intercessor, there are times when I feel I'm actually experiencing the struggles of my husband. I'm bearing them in my own heart. So I, I sometimes, for example, have a feeling of deep say, frustration, nothing is working. Why is nothing working? And I'm not even sure why I'm having that thought. But I've learned over time to mm. pray for my husband at that moment. Maybe something's going on in his day. Nothing ever frustrates me, Wendy. I don't know what you're talking about. What do you, what do you <laughs> mean? Every, even when my iPhone's not working, I'm just totally at peace with it. What are you talking about? Uh, I have no idea what you're getting at here. Uh, <laughs> Why would you think any of that has to do with me? I just don't understand. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is I could be praying for you. You know me, Wendy. Uh, you know I get I frustrated at all kinds of things. That oneness. Thank you for loving me there. Yes, that oneness that we have as spouses can even enter into those kinds of experiences in our day. And I can say that from my personal experience, and you can too. Yeah, it's real. Because it's real. You, there are times when you just know that I'm struggling and come to me even if I haven't sought to express it in any way. And I think that's a, a great gift of the Holy Spirit that is already active in your heart, that you can begin to just be more deeply in tune with how can you pray for Him and for the needs of His heart. And it can be so freeing for you to trust the Lord with the future and say, right now, I commit myself to this, this loving of this man. I think that, that will bear great fruit for you. Here's a profound statement. Suffering is difficult. It's not a surprise to anybody. No, it's hard. It is hard. the sufferings of daily life, the sufferings of a of a marriage where you are getting really fired up about your faith, and you have a spouse who is not. Those are very real sufferings, and suffering becomes all the more unbearable when we feel like it has no meaning. Here's one of the real fruits of learning how to be an intercessor. Every suffering, from little minor inconveniences to deep, painful, gut-wrenching sufferings, to physical ailments or any kind of suffering, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, every single ounce of it becomes deeply meaningful as we learn the art of offering that suffering in intercessory prayer. And when we have the hope that every ounce of suffering has meaning, and can and will bear fruit as I offer that in union with Christ's suffering for the people we love, and in this case, for your husband. It gives real, real meaning to your sufferings, and they become no less sufferings because of it. They're still sufferings, but they become meaningful sufferings, redemptive sufferings, and you will. This is God's promise. You will see the fruit of it. In this life, we do not know. Maybe you'll see the fruits of it in this life. 
but you certainly will see the fruits of your sufferings offered for your husband. That is God's promise. You can bank on it, and that's real love. I say it many times. I'll say it again. Having a holy marriage does not mean necessarily having a rosy marriage. There are a lot of times it's not going to be rosy. Or if I can quote from an 80s song, every rose has its thorn. Uh, And having a rosy marriage is sometimes, you're not just smelling the roses, you're feeling the pricks of the thorns. It's very real, very real. The crown of thorns and following Jesus is very real. But it's also very, very fruitful. Bless you, bless you. Many of the questions that we receive have to do with parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we have talked about our parenting at different times, and I, I just thought maybe I would conclude this podcast today with revisiting that question about parenting and share another little sort of yeah. funny parenting story. It came up in my mind because of the a previous question we answered in this podcast about when you were talking about your mother praying with you for yes. your future bride. Um, and we also have done this with our children, prayed for their future spouses. I remember when our first son was, you know, just very little and we're putting him to bed, we'd pray for his future bride wherever she may be. That was kind of a just a phrase. And to us, it had meaning. It meant if she's out there in the world already, we pray for her. We don't know where she is, mm-hmm. but we're praying for her. And when he was uh, two and a half... We had this experience where you had been on a long trip to Australia. Right. And when you returned, and we went with you to pick up your luggage uh-huh. at the airport. <laughs> I don't remember this. What happened? It had been lost. Oh, oh I do remember that. Yes. yes. It was very distressing, you know, and our two-and-a-half-year-old was picking up on the distress of this. Yeah, I had some valuable things in there that yes. I never recovered. Yes, so we that was a sad day. We're excitedly welcoming you home from this trip, and then to have this lost luggage and the stress and worry about that. And I remember that night at, at as we were putting John Paul to bed, we prayed that we might find your luggage wherever it was. And he he just said, well, maybe it's with my future bride. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently to him, he Uh, thought she was lost. (laughs) Because we always prayed for her. I don't remember that story. That's a good one. So, you know, you think you're, you know, implanting some important uh, concept and and they're actually totally missing it. Oh, man, I've learned that the hard way. All (laughs) kinds of things I've tried to teach my kids over the years when they were little that I thought they were comprehending that they were. Maybe I need a class in child psychology to (laughs) understand what you can and can't share at what age with what child and how they might receive it. Anyway, yeah, that was a, just a fun example of the kind of uh, parenting fail, but in a humorous way. Okay, we have another question uh, submitted by Jose, who says, I have a dear friend who committed adultery and left his wife. He said, this is very sad because we share a lot in the faith and have been friends for almost 10 years. How can I help? What can I do for them? Bless you, Jose. That is really, really hard. When human brokenness is on display, it's really, really hard. I can think of lots of times in my life where my brokenness was on display. Uh, I can think of lots of times where people I love and their brokenness is on display. We need to know 
when our brokenness is on display, that we're still loved. Your friend needs to know with clarity that this was wrong, but that may or may not be your place to say that. But he needs to know that he's still loved, that mercy is real, that God still loves him, that you still love him. If you can encourage him, again, I don't, it's hard to give more specifics because I don't know the specifics of your relationship, but encourage him, please encourage him to go to the sacrament of confession. Mercy is real. Mercy is real. Sin is real, but mercy is real. Uh, Wendy, do you have any thoughts coming to your mind here? If you're able to have a, a real conversation with your friend, it might be good to ask him if we would just acknowledge that this is not God's plan, whether it is our plan and our desire isn't the same as it being what God's plan is for us. So if if we can acknowledge, because he, he has that faith background, that this is not God's plan, that he would leave his wife, that he would be with this other woman, if you can help him to see what opened the door to this, mm. because, you know, it, it didn't just happen yeah, it didn't suddenly. It has nowhere. a history. Yep. And and recognizing that what opened the door to this can be a really helpful step to bringing things to the Lord for healing, bringing things in you know his past or his relationship with his wife, or just his own psychological, emotional needs that he's looked to someone other than his wife, and, and why has that happened? To help him to find kind of the roots of this leaving of his own wife can be a, a, a role of a friend, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That can be a helpful role of a true friend to look at where did this come from. And in a way, we can say this is the work of the evil one. Well, how did the evil one get an in? How did that happen? You know, and that, that I think can be a fruitful thing if, if he's open to that. And always never think that we have this in our own strength, but asking for the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the help of his grace, um, I think can be a really good way to help a friend. We can say by God's grace, thanks be to God, that we have been sexually faithful to one another in our marriage, but we've both had to look at ways that our hearts have been drawn yes. elsewhere. Yes, temptations. Temptations and attractions and mm-hmm. attachments in our hearts to certain people that uh, we knew were not in keeping with our marital fidelity. And... To what you said there is very important. Where does that come from? Why, why does our heart get pulled mm-hmm. out? We're all, because we're broken and we're fallen and we're needy and, and no spouse can perfectly meet anyone's needs. We, we are tempted to take those needs elsewhere. And a, a deep, deep healings come into our marriage as we've learned when we're prone to take our needs elsewhere because they're not getting met in our marriage because we can't perfectly meet one another's needs. The solution is not to find somebody else. The solution is to learn how to open those needs to the one alone who can provide them. Mm -hmm. It's the Lord. Uh, And it's the Blessed Mother. Mm, Every man needs a perfect woman to take his heart to, and there's only one. Her name's Mary. Mm. Every woman needs a perfect man to take her heart to, and there's only one. That's Jesus. So... As a friend, you can encourage your friend to take those needs to the one perfect woman who can meet them. It's not his wife, and it's not this woman who he's having an affair with. 
It's Mary. She's real. She's real. And she really is after our hearts. And we can really give our hearts to her. And we can really, really experience a meeting of those needs mm-hmm. in healthy, holy ways. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. We love doing this. We love being here for you. We love answering your questions, and we certainly hope it's a blessing to you. If you would be willing to leave us a review, if this podcast has been a a blessing to you, that would certainly help us because we want to get this out to as many people as possible. If you want to hit that share button on your phone or your tablet and share this episode with friends who might need to hear it, we'd also appreciate that. If you have questions you'd like us to address, you can go to askchristopherwest.com and leave those questions and we'd love for you again to sign up for the free course it's called what do you want it's a reflection on the deepest yearnings and desires of our hearts and you can do that at askchristopherwest.com forward slash free course until next time god bless you yes god bless you all The Ask Christopher West podcast comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. Welcome, everybody, to the Ask Christopher West podcast. It's great to be here with you. By my dear wife. Granola head. With the granola head. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I feel the love. Thank you.